everyone, and welcome to the maiden voyage of the Trippin' with South Street podcast. I'm your host, Benny South Street, founder of TripNotePros.com, the single greatest handicapping tool on the planet. That is absolutely a fact. We do everything when it comes to trip uh, handicapping. We watch every stride of every applicable horse on a day's card, gallop outs, pace and flow dynamics, you name it, deceitful running lines, even jockeys, intentions. That's enough about Trip Note Pros. Let's get to our guest, the first of which you guys are going to know him. You've seen him all over the TV over the last, I think, 30 years. Chris Felica. He is the Fox Sports wagering export who's going to make his maiden voyage with Spox, with Fox this weekend covering the Belmont Stakes. He was recently crowned champion of the inaugural Circle Football Invitational, nearly hit the Daily Double in the Golden Nugget Football Handicapping Contest. He's now a 10-time qualifier for the NHC, which is the National Horse Players Contest. He qualified this past weekend. Congratulations there. And most famously, when he dies, fun fact about Chris, he's going to have a quote on his tombstone that says, the less you bet, the more you lose when you win. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly that is. Those are words to live by. Uh, I thought you were going to say, uh, in the end, he, he he was a Jets fan through and through. So that's kind of <laughs> what brought him to an early exit from this from this world. But uh, no, I appreciate that, and yeah, really looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys tonight and uh, being a part of the Belmont on Saturday. It's funny. It's it's kind of weird. Uh, that this is the first TV that I'm doing for Fox, being a, a native Long Islander and growing up on Suffolk County and having been to to Belmont numerous, numerous times. So it's kind of kind of ironic that my first TV for uh, for Fox is going to be uh, on Long Island at Belmont, kind of kind of near home. So it's kind of cool. That is awesome. And two Jets fans. That's got to be that's got to <laughs> be pretty rare. We got two Jets fans going here. We'll see how that pans out later. But yeah, I can give you a little bit of info here. I found out there's a third Jets fan that I just found out about tonight. Mike Smith. Mike Smith is a oh, Jets yeah? fan. Is he? Yeah. I, I, I didn't know. I was very excited to hear that. So now we have a more, uh, more, company, like. more, more, more company at the misery table. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> didn't Was not aware of that. And that we'll bring in our second guest now who who's chiming in. Jets fan number two, a former trainer who became a professional gambler when he toppled the $13 million in earnings mark, he thought $13 million was an unlucky number, so he quit horse training, became a professional gambler. That's true. He's a 20% win rate. He's got a 20% win rate as a trainer, a 50% in the money clip, which is super, super impressive. He's a former NHC Tour champion. If I'm not mistaken, he won the Tour in his first try, chasing down the Tour. And fun fact about Mr. Brent Sumja, who we'll bring in in a minute. He's on speed dial with the Beverly Hills Police Department. He was a Hall of Fame water polo player at Beverly Hills High. Had so many doors knocked down from all the cute little girls running around Beverly Hills that they had to put this guy on speed dial. Welcome, Brent. Gee, thanks, Benny. It's, it's actually a pleasure to be here with both of you guys. I've, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Chris and I... Uh, probably a couple of years ago in Vegas, we said we'd figure out a way to do something like this. And it's taken a while. Yep. Agreed. 
Yeah, yeah that was, um, that was at the old, the old, the old Bally Sportsbook there in that that summer tournament. That's right. In, uh, that's exactly yep. where we were. I remember. Here we are. <laughs> so, real quick, before we jump in, what we're going to do? It's going to be quick and easy. We're going to just lean on these guys for their opinions on the late pick five on Belmont races eight through twelve on Saturday. Before we jump into that, Brent, I'll start with you. How do you handicap? What is your main process? If you could just take me through it briefly. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm pretty old school in terms of I I can basically say I'll start with pace, you know, and, and I just want to get an idea of the obvious, you know, is there a lot of pace? Is it medium or is there none? And then a second tier of that would be, is it contested in, in all of those areas? And then I'll jump to class, which in these kind of races, you know, that that skill I don't think really exists when you're dealing with stakes races. That's why I'm kind of a more meat and potatoes claiming type, you know, gambler because I like to try to figure out the false classes in a lot of those races. And I think when you're dealing with tech races, you don't really have to worry about class quite as much, you know? So, and then, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, speed figures, you know, and then maybe the intangibles as Jimmy the Greek used to say, right. Um, would be in this day and age trainer changes. It's something I'm, I'm really looking at as well. That's good stuff. How about you, Chris? What's your, what's your, Go to in your in your toolbox. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo a lot of uh, what what Brent said. Of course, in addition to uh, to reading the uh, the trip note pros as well. But yeah, I'm kind of a old school like that in the sense. Yeah, I'm always looking uh, what I foresee to be the pace of the race, um, and and then determine a class level for some of these horses. But yeah, I think in today's handicapping world, I, I think what Brent said about barn changes is massive. I mean, I mean, I think that's that's a big deal, and and I like to look for for certain things that that, that, are, that are kind of my go-to. I love uh, looking at horses maybe that drew the rail at a sprint distance uh, in their previous race or their previous sprint race, and now they're getting back into a sprint race, and maybe they draw a little further outside. I think that's something that has been very beneficial to me in the past. Uh, speed stretching out on the turf, going maybe you're going from six furlongs, seven furlongs to a mile. Uh, and that has been always speed is, in my opinion, uh, dangerous on the turf. And then I like looking at uh, at maidens. Everyone, everyone's enamored with maidens making their debut. I love maidens making their second start because I think a lot of times uh, the, the, these maidens in their first time out, they're kind of just, I don't want to say going around the track with no intent to win, but it's tough to win first out. So I think that educational run where maybe a horse gets bet and they're nine to two or whatever in their in their debut, four to one, and then may oh well they didn't win their debut, so they they aren't any good. And then you, maybe second start, you're looking at six, seven, eight, nine to one. You're looking at a better price, and a lot of times uh, you, you catch a nice ticket on those. So uh, I, I love I love turf turf racing, and I love made racing. Love that, and you know just to echo, kind of piggyback what you were talking about with the first time starters and second time starters we upgrade horses based on their trip. And if we think they're going to move forward or if a horse had a perfect trip and he might digress, I'm a big believer in the trip kind of makes that speed figure very difficult for a horse to run a fast speed figure when he's troubled. And conversely, when they do work out a good trip, it's, it's hard to repeat that, especially for closers. A lot of times those tactical horses, they work out their trips and they post those good numbers. But what you're talking about with the second timers, oftentimes we'll have just, a whole slew of upgrades that run second time out. So we get those two-year-olds that come through the summer 
it's hard for me to pick through them because a lot of times you can just tell they, they needed one or they, they come into some subtle trouble with kickback or what have you. So good stuff from both you guys. Let's move into the sequence. Um, we'll start in race eight, the Woody Stevens. Uh, this is seven eighths of a mile on dirt. We're going to, we've got the, you guys, we've kind of got caveman tickets down there on the bottom. We're not caveman people. We don't recommend that you play the tickets. These are just the selections of both Brent and Chris that, you know, th this is who they landed on. Um, let's start with you, Chris, jump into it. Who do you like in the Woody Stevens? I, I, I it's, it's hard for me to get past either of the Bafferts. I, I think they're uh, the most likely winners in the race. I mean, Arabian lion uh, cutting back from, from seven for, for to, from the uh, the route to, to seven furlongs, I think that should should fit him well. And then Fort Bragg, who I actually didn't like on uh, on, on Derby Day, there, like I, I was like, like if, if that horse won, I, I would have been knocked out of everything. And he ran a really good race uh, in, in in the Pat Dama, where General Jim uh, just got him late. But I think the cutback to seven furlongs for him will uh, will bode well uh, as well. So. I, I think I think one of the two Bafferts are the most likely winners. Um, if you're looking to add a horse to your ticket, maybe the horse gets brave on the lead. Uh, I would look at the one New York Thunder first time starting on the uh, on the main track after a couple of uh, gate to wire performances on the Poly. I, I think obviously with uh, Delgado, I mean that horse can is, is probably going to be the speed of the speed, and they're going to have to press him around, which could ultimately do him in. But he's someone I would add. I'm against the favorite general, Jim. Uh, I, I, I don't think he wins here. Uh, Suge is have, not having a, a great meet so far at Belmont. And I, I think this horse is very beatable. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned um, Fort Bragg. Brent and I were kind of chuckling. Uh, I needed him for my lungs last time. He was the <laughs> bed of the card. Yeah, I did. Uh, he was the bed of the card. Uh, he got. He had a similar trip at least early last time as he did his race prior. He got he was off a little bit slow. He's a bad gate horse. He got knocked around a little bit. I call it exacerbated fractions, and he did the same thing last time. He was brave through the lane and uh, broke my heart when they hit the wire. I think Brent and I talked right after that race. Who do you like, Brent? Who do you got in the Woody Stevens? Um, I'm, a, I'm a little deeper in here, and, and I, I agree with Chris on one of the Bafferts, but the other Baffert I'm going to try to throw out of everything, and that's Arabian Lion. Um, I think he had everything his way in his last two starts, and I'm just at his price, but, you know, 4-1 morning line, I think he'll go off the favorite. You know, I'm guessing, but I'm thinking he'll be 5-2. And I'm going to try to beat him because I think if he's going to regress, it's now. He's not on the, uh, that big a rest. Um, but I do like Fort Bragg a lot, and, and I did need him for my lungs as well last time. So I also, you know, Drew's gold on the outside. He That horse, is he's done nothing wrong. Um, you know, I'm always rooting for a guy who paid 25000 against these guys who have 50 horses in their barn that were all a half a million dollars. Um, but handicapping, I, I don't see why this horse can't sit right off and maybe get the first run at him. So those would be my top two. I also think – and I know your notes will, will say this because I took a little look at them. Um, Gilmore. I think Gilmore's going to get the best trip. I think he kind of slopped his way in last time to third. I don't, I don't think it was overly impressive, but I think he's going to get a setup here where he might get a piece of this. I agree. We don't have my picks posted, but I did think Drew's gold was interesting. little fun fact about him. Um, 
I know you're familiar with, with James Chapman. He said that this horse was training better than any horse that he had ever been associated with going into his last race. And it showed up on the track. He was ridden with like just huge confidence through the turn, very quiet hands, very quiet rider through the turn, and then just opened up through the lane. I, I thought he was impressive and tactical, didn't need the lead. And I did think Gilmore could fall into a very good trip. I do see a lot of speed in here, both from inside and outside. A lot of times you get those inside outsides that they'll tend to fight because they don't see each other and come into contact for a little while. So I thought the pace was going to be a little bit fast in here as well. So do, do either of you have an opinion on victory formation? I'm just kind of going through here. And I mean, obviously the horse did beat age of empire in the smarty Jones. And, uh, <laughs> That's funny. Cause I asked Ryan the last thing I said, look, I got to put victory formation on my ticket because of the cutback and the outside post. I, I I'm a little afraid. Of, I don't have a huge opinion in here because I, I could go six, seven deep in here. Yeah. I, I think this is a, I think that I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think early in this in this sequence, I think are where you want to be deep. Because if you are right about Arabian Lion, then uh, and and I'm wrong about the other Baffert, then then certainly it looks like a race that yeah you could get a price. Sure. This uh, this is definitely a tough a tough leg to to kick off the pick five. Um, the note that I had written for victory formation was that he was prompted and pressed by an outside rival setting a very fast pace and was given no breathers throughout um, and, and finished gamely um, in defeat. So, you know, he's cutting back. I don't expect that he'll do the same. I think he's going to have to come from a little bit off of it, which may work to his benefit. We'll see, but he should be square on the board as well. Race number nine, the Japer. Two years ago, we had a uh, common winner in here, Casa Creed. Does he get it done this year, Brent? You know, he's. I have to throw him in my my eighties because you know, at his best, you know, he's the winner. However, it's a lot to ask, and those horses come back from from over there, and you don't know what you're going to get. So, I felt pretty good about this race using. Um, the horse that had a ton of trouble last time, Big Invasion, who I needed also very bad on that day. I mean, I had him with the Pletcher later on or whatever on the grass. It, it, this horse, he finds trouble, this horse. Um, but when he doesn't, you know, he, he's seven for 10, I believe. And then the Wesley Ward, I think Arrest Me Red, I think six furlongs hits this horse over the head. I, I just think he hasn't run it in a while. He's, I think I, I don't have him, but I think he's three for five lifetime at six furlongs. So between yes. those three, 10, 8, 11, I feel, I feel pretty solid that that's all I need here. I think there's a lot of horses that are underneath that can, can get into the, you know, exotics uh, vertically. And if the 15 or 16 happen to draw in, I like both of them and they're going to be bombs. And I would put them on my, on my ticket uh, horizontally. Let's, what do you think, Chris? Who do you, who do you have? I, I know this well, was a, another tough leg. Yeah, th this is this is a race I think where you, where you do want to be deep because I don't like Caravel here. I don't, I don't like the uh, going the extra little bit of distance. I, I think our best races uh, have been at Keeneland and, and, and going back in here against the boys. I, I think she's going to be. I think it's going to be tough for her to uh, to repeat here. So I um yeah I, I'm deep in this race. I, I again I'm using Casa Creed kind of like Brent is. I don't necessarily like him but you can't argue with the horse that's three or four at belmont and won this race uh the last couple of years a big invasion i'm thinking about maybe potentially adding uh, to my ticket as well but um i really like the five horse dr Zemf. Uh, this is someone that 
kind of Chad brought over and, and, and ran well at Gulfstream just kind of won for fun against nobody in that, uh, in that optional. And then thrown right into the deep end, going a mile at Keeneland, uh, went to the front and then tired badly. But again, I, I think the cutback to six furlongs is going to uh, give this horse a great trip from just off all of this, all the speed in this race. So I like Dr. Zenf and I, and I think you can make a case for, uh, for both of the, uh, the Wesley Ward horses, both arrest me red and go bears go. I mean, I, I'd like to read your uh, your trip notes and see what you have to say about Go Bears Go in, the, in that last race because kind of the, the the running at the comment line and the form here just kind of makes it seem like the horse was kind of stuck down inside and really couldn't get out and and run. And this horse was a bomb, just like like uh, Caraville was in the uh, in in the turf sprint and uh, and got beat by Caraville and obviously ran well in. Uh, at Del Mar the year before that in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint finishing second. So I think this horse does have some class to him. And I think goes Bear, Go Bears Go is someone that you might want to include as well. So I'm uh, – my main horse is here. We're at 2, five, uh, two five, eight, 11 is where I landed. And I can see myself throwing the uh, the 10 in as well. Go Bears Go, as you you were mentioning, the, the, the actual trip. Um I'll just read it. He targeted open air from a ground saving position down the back stretch, had a clear path in the far turn, hugging the rail. And after beautifully cutting the quarter into the lane, slip past rivals to close the gap and earn show money as deep closing journeys on turf are concerned. This was a very good trip. So I actually had him listed as a downgrade, but again, you know, this is turf sprinting. This is, this is the chaos. This is where you find those big numbers and, and maybe he'll surprise as one of them. Some honorable mentions we didn't, we didn't talk about. And one of the reasons I'm with both of you guys, both of you guys fade Caravelle. I totally agree. Um, if she wins, I will be taking a torch to every one of my tickets. Um, you know, I, when she won the breeders cup turf sprint, obviously there was a big mistake in that race that was made by the big favorite. Um, trying to remember who it was it's one of wesley wards he said it was the best horse he'd ever trained uh, but made a huge mistake at the start uh, which gave her a lonely lead i felt like the others going into that race the plan was to hope that the speed would come back and when you know that race just ended up paceless she went on and went wire to wire and since then she's run against the girls uh, a little bit inferior competition in my opinion and gotten loose on the lead so she was a total fade for me as well and the main reason is because i hate pressing the pace and turf sprints. I think it's one of the worst places to be on turf is stalking or pressing an honest pace. Even if you're just too wide, it's just a miserable place to be. You've got centrifugal force to deal with. You're uncovered and you're an obvious target. A lot of times they have to move early to try and hold off those that are pushing them forward. Um, and I think she's going to fall into a bad trip mainly because nothing better is quite fast. Nothing better last time could have cleared easily and went honest enough already, but left the rail open and then got stuck in that too, too wide pressing trip. So I think nothing better is going to make the lead in the rail and hang Caravelle out to dry. And I, I think a price wins. So hopefully, yeah, I think who, who are the common runners we've got? I think both of you guys have, has Casa Creed. Is that the only one that's common? Rest me red as well. And the rest me red. I want to bring something up about Chris's five horses, Dr. Zep, because I noticed back in his form, he actually beat Go Bears Go, I think, mm -hmm. in Ireland. I don't yep. have it up in front of me. And that really caught my eye. But this Lasix thing, is it, it 
really bothers me in these stakes races because the, the race that caught my eye, you know, here in the U.S. is Lasix, right? And I know he regressed last time. Was it a big effort? Was it no Lasix? You know, and so it's really confusing to me to, to and I stay out of these races a lot because when I was training, you know, their horses bled, right? Yep. Sometimes it was a one of five. Sometimes it was a five of five. And as handicappers, we're sitting here trying to guess, well, is that horse a one or three, a five? You know, how significant is it? Because these guys don't have choices not to run them, you know? So, you know, back when I was working for the vets 30 years ago, you know, these horses would come in from New York. New York doesn't use laces, right? But they were spending $300 on other stuff, you know, with a $20 shot of Lasix would have taken care of. You know, now nowadays with Hissa and stuff, I don't think those things are going on. I think it's actually, you know, probably they're probably running clean in these races. And it's really hard. Like Dr. Zemp, if I felt like he wasn't a bleeder and what have you, I, horse is on my ticket for sure. I think it's a, a sneaky pick. You know, I just don't know what that last race is all about. That's a good point. I tend to, if I'm being honest, I tend to avoid it because I feel like I'm guessing if they're going right. to. It is guessing. They're going to need it or not. So I, I just kind of, it's, it's information that I don't, I mean, maybe that I, maybe I should, but I, I don't pay close attention to. Let's move on. The Met Mile, one of the bigger ones on the card, a cool million up for grabs. Let's kick it back to you, Chris. Who do you like in the Met Mile? Yeah, I'm, um, again, this is, this is the, the old handicapping conundrum. I, I think it's, you're either singling Cody's wish here or you're going to try and just avoid Cody's wish and use multiple horses to, to win. I, 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 I think Cody's wish is the most likely winner. They, you do get concerns that Cody's wish maybe, maybe he doesn't, he didn't break. He has a tendency not to break well. Maybe he doesn't break great and he kind of spots the field. He didn't break great in, in Churchill and it didn't matter because he just, Buried that field, but being drawn down inside, I think, could be a little bit of a problem. Uh, I, I still ultimately think that he will win, but 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 I think you do need to look at Dr. Shivel. Uh, the three I know that was a, a field of nothing out at Santa Anita that he won off of the long layoff uh, last time out. But this horse does have some back class to him. Um, if you go back to the, the Breeders' Cup sprint and the and the, and the smile. I guess not the smile, the, the Saratoga, the Santa Anita sprint rather. Uh, so I, I think he has an opportunity either to make the lead or maybe sit just off of charge it. And maybe Cody's wish has a little bit too much, but I'm a little bit worried about, about that race being absolutely nothing. And maybe the figure is a little, a little false being that it was a three horse field and he had it his entire way. But, but I think 10 to one is a, uh, if I'm going to try and beat Cody's wish, I'm going to try and beat Cody's wish with that horse as opposed to trying to beat the horse with repo rocks or a short price like that. Yeah, I like it. That And that race, it was pretty much a walkover because his main competition blew the start, lost two lanes, and he just kind of jogged around the track. But for all intents and purposes, probably just a public workout anyway in preparation for today. And he's – He's one that doesn't actually need the lead. He does find, you know, staying just off of it. So he could sit a pocket trip if, if he gets out broken and someone decides to, to blast off. How about you, Brent? Who do you, who do you like in the Met? I, Chris explained this perfectly. You know, I, I'm going to single Cody's wish. And, and 
the one thing for me in, in all I do every day is I do not play pick fives where it's a short price single that a lot of people are going to do. So in this case, this is what I would have to do because you're on I a podcast. You got to make a decision. So. I know. I looked at I looked at it just like Chris did, and I looked at the front runners. I was trying to find a front runner because I feel very vulnerable for the exact reason Chris said. The one hole probably from off it pretty far. I don't like that. I don't like sitting there to think this is it, you know. But when I looked at the front, I didn't I didn't really care for the horses that were going to be up there. Um, I can see what, what Chris is saying with Dr. Schimmel for sure. You know, I just – I don't like anything else in the race is the problem. You know, if I was going to have to go elsewhere, I would just take the whole field. And I don't think he can do that here. So I just went to single Cody's wish. I, I think White Barrio is probably the biggest question in the field right now with the – with the barn change and the horses right. training well, we ran lights out in that optional at Gulfstream after the Is he a Gulfstream specialist is what I right. was wondering. Yep. You know, none of his races anywhere else that I see. But I agree. And, and Dutro and there's all the trainers in here. I mean, you got a trainer moving horses up off of Baffert. <laughs> there's a lot a lot of uh, horses you could go to if you, if you want to try to beat them. You know, the interesting thing about Wida Barrio, he was entered into two different stakes and scratched out of both of them to, to try here, probably because he can get a slice and make just as much money. But he was a trainer stretch in the Churchill Down stakes. I thought it was yeah, interesting that, yeah, that, that Tyler. Safi. What's that? I was probably with the uh, everything that was going on with Safi and Churchill making him scratch all of his uh, all his horses. Right. Could be, yeah, could be. But the big thing for me was that Tyler opted off. Uh, he chose a different horse in that race, um, which I thought was a little bit interesting. If you want to play that kind of jockey change game, which doesn't always work out, but I did find that interesting. I'm with you guys. I can't find my way around Cody's wish. Um, the pace dynamic in here is very interesting. I do think slow down Andy has a chance to blast off. He's fresh. He's drawn inside uh, of several horses that want no part of early speed. I don't know if he stays on or not, but I do think he has the potential to blast off. Um, okay, the next leg, the Manhattan. Mile and a quarter, grade one, 750K on the line. Uh, who you got, Brent? I went in here, I had... If I was going to make it A and B, I had the three and five would have been my A's, and then eight, four, six would be my B's. And the reason on the three and the five, um, you can't go to the post any worse than Warren Point did last time. I mean, it's, it was obvious. He was washed out. He had run his race beforehand and then did not have a good trip during the race. So that doesn't mean that he's all those things are going to go away this time, you know, but I, I like him better than, than the other horse. Um, of Applebee's. I, I, something about Ottoman Fleet, I'm going to use them, but I'm not overly excited. And if my ticket, if I do try to beat Cody's Wish on a few tickets, I would probably leave the Ottoman horse off. I really like Soldier Rising's race back. Um, when you go back and look at this horse's form, when he can put together two races back to back, he's pretty tough, you know, and I thought he ran the perfect race back. If he's ever going to come through and make it to the next level, he's 12 to 1. I'm going to take a shot that, you know, this is the day that he does it. I'm going to use him in a lot of stuff, you know, vertically as well. 
Yeah, you, uh, we, we had talked about Warren Point, and, and another interesting thing about him, I don't know, you know, he's obviously nervous, washed out. They blinded, they blindfolded this horse in the yeah. gate, and, you know, you just don't see that to where the gate opens, and then the assistant starter is removing a blindfold at the same time. It wasn't surprising at all that the horse missed the start a little bit, and he lost a length and some early positions, so... Maybe that's fixed. I don't know. I didn't get the impression that this was, you know, atypical, which makes me think it may happen again and he may have to overcome a slightly tardy start. But we'll see. I, we'll see. He's definitely, at the very least, he's worth a glance at through the post parade uh, on, on game day. How about you, Chris? What do we got? What are we looking at? We're we're on the we're we're we are reading this race basically the same way. I do like Ottoman Fleet. I know he basically had everything his own way uh, in, in the Fort Morrissey, but I, I think the horse obviously has finished in front of Warren Point before, uh, and he's got some good form. And, and I think uh, he's very logical. I, the among the long shots, Soldier Rising would be the long shot that I would use in this race. I do think you need to use Warren Warren Point at all as well. And I don't know what to make of uh, of up to the mark. I mean, I don't think that was necessarily a very strong edition of the Turf, Turf Classic uh, at Churchill last time out. I really liked him in there, and he and he and he won for fun. But I, I, I don't know. I, I I get the feeling that that he, he's up against it here again. He's going to be facing, I think, uh, a few better horses here than he did at a uh, at Churchill that day. So. I think one of the one of the uh, Appleby horses or the uh, or the five are your most likely winner. You know, a couple one, a couple points I'll make. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm with you guys on a couple of these horses, but and think and some of the work that we do in terms of replay work, we've got a term which we call fake fast. That I think, and just in terms of helping people along the way when they're handicapping and watching replays, is you get this runoff leader. And he's got a five plus length, you know, however, you know, just a huge margin. And he's ignored by the rest of the field. That happened to Ottoman Fleet last time. So it's an important thing because when you're reading the racing form and you see fifth by nine and a half at the second call and you see that fast pace, you're thinking maybe he had, you know, maybe he had a perfect trip. But there are times when you'll find a horse that's at the back of that congestion and you find a fast race and pace dynamic when you're handicapping. And the reality is that the pace really isn't fast at all because there's a race being run within a race. And that pace dynamic is actually much faster, which was the case with Ottoman fleet last time. He did have a good trip. He ran covered up and he found room at the rail, but I think that's important to note because you don't see that all the time. And it doesn't show up in a, in a running line. You have to watch the replay. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was worth mentioning when kind of helping people along with watching replays, jockey intent for me is a big deal. And I read last time on Up to the Mark did something very interesting. I read is not stupid. He will punch you in the throat to get to the rail if he can and on the backstretch last time, he wanted no part of covering up. He had an opportunity to kind of tuck in if he wanted to, and he opted 
to race uncovered and circle horses through the far turn, which is not a good turf trip. And I think he knew that this is a special horse and he wanted him in the clear. So for me, just based on that one move of him saying, you know what, I don't need to stay down in there. I don't, I don't have to, um, he, he would be an include for me and he's three for four on grass and he's headed in the right direction. I don't know what your speed figures say, Brent, but to me, he's. Oh yeah. I mean, his last race, if he repeats it, that wins, you know? Um, but I'm like, Chris, I'm like, you know, you got to repeat it against better, you know, and how much better are these? And, you yeah. know, it's a tough deal. And I'm going to use them on some tickets, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to be. And, and I, last time I had him singled in everything. You know, I love the horse, so it's hard sometimes when you know to, to go against what you were at last time. But in this case, I'm I'm going to try to beat this horse. Yeah, I think too with that trip at Churchill, that turf course is a disaster. Yeah. And, and I think and I think be, being being outside was probably better as opposed to to being Could inside. Be. Uh, I, I think that probably had a lot to do with it as well. That's interesting. Good stuff. Let's yeah, do I, I, it. I, I, I was talking to a couple of a couple of trainers. I was there that day, and they they were say, just saying their horses are coming back, basically spinning their wheels because you, you, it was like pavement because you couldn't you could, they couldn't get any uh, any uh, any traction in the uh, in in the turf. So I, I know the there are a lot of horses that it's going to be something to track to and see how these horses coming out of that those Churchill turf races come back and fare after that. That's good information. Appreciate that. Last race on the card. The granddaddy. Of course, we're going to have you speak first, Chris, because we're going to be watching you on TV pre-race for the Belmont on Fox. Who do you like in the Belmont? I think one of two horses will win. And I'm pretty comfortable using only these two horses on my multi-race uh, tickets, and, that, and that's Tapatrice and Hit Show. Um I can see people making a case for Angel of Empire. I can see people making a case for Forte as well. But uh, I, I think we've seen Todd Pletcher knows how to win this race. And we've seen him do it before with this run in Tampa, go to the go to the Derby, run okay, lay them off until Belmont and win. I think this horse has a, a grinding running style that will, will suit the mile and a half. So I think he is a uh, – Excuse me. A, a, a one of the two likely winners here, and the other is Hit Show, who, who again of all the horses in the field, I have the least concern about Hit Show getting the distance here. Um, he drawn the rail, he was drawn dead when you draw the rail of the Derby, and, and he worked out about as good of a trip as you possibly could, but he was still probably a little too close to that really fast pace, and predictably 100%. flattened out when they uh, when when the real running began. But I, but I think here. With a uh, with a forwardly paced trip, with a little softer pace up front, uh, I think he can grind out the uh, the uh, the twelve furlongs here and uh, and light up the tote board at a nice price. So I think Tapatrice and Hit Show are the two most likely winners. Like I said, I can see people uh, who like Angel of Empire, but I think the, the biggest misnomer about this race is that it's a close. Like if you close it a mile and a quarter, it's automatically going to carry over and translate to a mile and a half, and it just doesn't happen. Uh, like uh, it's just it just it doesn't I mean talking to other people today like it, you you want to be closer to the pace uh you want to be on the lead in, in this race just because ultimately you're gonna 
you do run out of track quicker than you think. So uh, Forte, I don't have a good feeling about him. I, I, I wonder if his feet are okay. Um, it's a shame because he had such a great two-year-old campaign. And the early part of his three-year-old campaign was great. And just at the worst possible times, he's had the worst possible things uh, happen to him. So I'm, uh, I'm Tappet Trice and Hit Show is my, uh, my top two here. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement on uh, I'm in agreement with you on Hit Show. Tappet Trice, I've some smart guys. I've got a private client. He loves Tappet Trice. He's going to single him on everything. The one thing I will say about him that's not going to show up on paper, he hates dirt in his face. He really, really does. Even in victory, you saw it at Tampa. He got splashed with it and a horse crossed in front of his path and he got shuffled. He lost a couple of lengths. He overcame it. He circled wide in the far turn. He did the same thing uh, at, uh, I believe it was Keeneland in victory. He got shuffled early. Saez mm-hmm. was all over this thing into the first turn to get him out into the clear. If he doesn't find his way off the rail, he could find some problems. I don't know how. I mean, I, I wouldn't like it if somebody was throwing dirt at me, but We'll see. I think he's going to have to improve. This is my opinion, uh, but he's definitely one of the most talented horses in this field. And if he can work out a trip, he wouldn't surprise me at all. Brent, what do you think? Um, that was a hard act to follow what Chris just did. And I know why he's doing the big show on Saturday because that was about <laughs> as professional as ever. Anything. I was just sitting here. I almost couldn't like speak. Um, same three horses. Basically. I, I, I think the blinkers are going angel of empire to try to keep them closer. I think they know that, you know, what you, what you said about not really closing that could really backfire, you know, but I'm thinking that my idea is that it's not going to, you know, so, but I'm waiting on tap and tries. I think that horse is the epitome of what you need to be to run the Belmont. You know, I, I agree. That's my second choice. If, if the blinkers aren't right on angel of empire, you know, and there's, National Treasure, I don't necessarily like the horse, but it scares me on the, you know, I, I think he's going to make the front, you know, and I just worry about the mile and a half, the horse who is on the front, you know, and it's Bob Afford, so I would I would tend to throw him in. And there's one horse we didn't talk about, Archangelo. And I have to give Benny some props because the last time this horse ran, he basically had a note on this horse that was, can't lose. <laughs> and I, I took this one to the bank. I mean, this this was one of my biggest scores I've had in a very long time. Would not have had it without those notes. Um, and if he repeats his last race, which is a lot to ask, you know, on numbers, he's he's right in. So I, I would have to mention him as well. You know, I I saw Archangelo on debut, and I texted a friend of mine, and I said, "Go buy this horse." And uh, didn't hear back. He ran again. And I said, hello. <laughs> Is there anybody out there? Go buy this horse. And I never heard back. And then I finally said, look, this horse is going to win the Peter Pan. It's your last shot. He's worth a lot of money. When God needs a loan, he calls you. If I were you, I would try and get this horse. And uh, he was unable to do so. But, yeah, I think he's a special talent. Um, first time going two turns. Uh, he's run – just short, uh, obviously he's run a little bit over a mile yeah, and the Peter Pan, but was one turn at Belmont, which is probably a good thing. You know, we know he likes the surface, man, slow pace wide last time overcame it. I think that he can win and national treasure, I think is going to be the forgotten about horse. 
he was a major player in the Preakness because there were some departures and the field came up probably a little bit softer uh, th- than a lot w- would have liked um, in terms of, you know, just the fans and just the, the buzz sure. around the Preakness. But I think he's going to get loose as well. And he gallops out well every time. You watch him in the San Diego Derby, even though he got put away, he kind of got shuffled, some self some self-caused trouble because he was shuffled in the San Diego Derby. He he fired through the lane, galloped out well. He did the same thing last time, just refused to let Irad's horse go by him, and he galloped out well. So I think he's a little bit dangerous as well. Yeah, I, I getting back to the uh, the pace situation. I mean, tap and shoes is solely a rabbit, right? I mean, I would think so. Right that horse in the race to help hit show right. and uh, Angel Vampire, you would you would assume. So I I, I, I think that will liven the pace up a little bit where National Treasure doesn't stay. I, I would agree with you. And, and the one thing that I would say about National Treasure, and maybe we'll see something that we weren't expecting, which would be, you know, s- some heat up front because it doesn't look like there's any pace in here at all. And you could get two, two guys that say, you know what, I, w- I want to make the lead. Baffert's horses almost always take the running to their opponents. I expect National Treasure to go. And if Tappet Shoes is, in fact, a rabbit it could get a little bit hotter than than we expect the, the one thing that that's interesting about Tappet shoes is he, he he's a good horse and even though even i mean his last race i, was needed, a him. He ran I, so needed, I needed him so badly yeah. in that last race uh, I, didn't, I, I thought he was home i didn't think red rat rome was going to get up and get him and it was just a gross beat uh-huh. the, yeah that's last jump last yep. and you don't you don't very often see Superman uh, head down trying to the last jump in that race, but he was trying to get him there. That's a disgusting beat. I appreciate you guys coming on, uh, taking the time. I, I know you guys are, are doing some important stuff. Brent's going to hit the replay booth after this, and it's late back where you are, Chris. Congratulations on the new digs with Fox. Can't wait to see you on TV. Let's get lucky. Yes. Thank you guys so Absolutely. much. Appreciate you. Thanks, you. Let's do it again. Uh, soon. It's great seeing you, Chris. Absolutely. Take Thanks, it man. easy.